9-11. The mantra that goes with 9-11 is never forget, right? Never forget. Uh, We don't want to forget those that died and those that died while trying to make a difference. Uh, And, you know, this... The whole 9-11 really made a bigger difference and hit home more when I received my Maltese cross. Uh, the weight that that badge bears is, is a heavy burden and one that shouldn't be taken lightly. It, it reminds you of the responsibility that you have to the citizens that you serve and to also your brothers and sisters that you're serving right next to, that you're either an asset or you're a liability. And so we would train to honor those that came before us. And there's times that we would do like these special events that have been taking place all this weekend where guys will be in full gear. And this is one that I did where uh, we'll be in full uh, bunker gear and we would go around and we get assigned someone that perished during 9-11. And it's your responsibility to climb 110 floors to t- get them to where they weren't able to go. Uh, the, you can just go through some of them. Uh, it was a grueling thing, but I still kept a smile. <laughs> uh, and at the end, you get to ring the bell for that person. Sorry, that picture. <laughs> um, so you realize, so there's these stair climbs that go on. During this weekend, uh, other guys, they get super crazy, and I've done this before, too, where you do 343 burpees uh, to remember those that have fallen. Uh, and the one cool thing is that the first year that I did this, I actually tried to track down the survivors of the, the guy that I carried, who was Nicholas Keofalo. Uh And I actually got connected with his son. And we still stay in contact to this day. Uh, and... Carry on that friendship. You realize that you're not just representing yourself when you are carrying that cross. You, you are representing everyone that came before you, and you have a responsibility to those in the future. Never forget. Now, a little while on, uh, earlier on in my life, all right, I grew up as a preacher's kid, and we were at the famous Mexican restaurant in town, Taco Bell. Uh, and while we were there, this one lady, she started raising a huge ruckus. I mean, she was trying to get somebody to give her their food, all right? And she just kept after him. And finally, a manager had to escort her out. And she starts yelling explicits and all this kind of stuff. Had a very colorful language. My sister and I, were sitting there with our family watch. And our, where our table was at right, was right next to the window. And we watch her go out. And she gets into a car, and on the back of the car was a bumper sticker. Honk if you love Jesus. All right? So my folks decided, you know, being the good Christian folks that they are, they're taking advantage of every opportunity that God gives them to teach us kids, right? So they were like, oh, my goodness, can you believe? And my folks, they jumped right in. They said, you know what? That's right, because when you say something, then you should actually believe and you should act that way, right? Because the world's watching. There's an expectation on you if you claim the title Christian. And they're doing this. It was an amazing message. I mean, my dad, I mean, he was an amazing preacher, but this was a good message right here. And me being the astute child that I am, I said, that's why we don't have bumper stickers on our car, right, Dad? (laughs) Never forget, though. That's the thing, is that we carry this title, and we need to never forget. As Christians, we're actually called to remember. Psalm 77, 11 says, 
I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Over and over again, when God's people would be called to take a step of faith. We read this throughout the scriptures. They're at this breaking point, and they're going to need to take a huge step of faith. What does God do? He doesn't do, here's the top ten reasons why you should follow me and obey. He didn't remove their fear. He could have done that, right? He's all-powerful God. He could have simply, all right, you're afraid. I'm going to take that fear away. No. What he did is remember what I've already done. He called the people to look to the past, because when you look at the past and see how he has come through, it gives you a boldness and confidence for the future. We have it here, actually on our communion table, right? As we pause every week to remember what Jesus did in our place. And that should give us a boldness as we leave here back into the fray. We must remember because our identity is found in him. And if we forget who he is, we forget who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. So have you, Christian, forgotten the God that you serve? Have you forgotten what he has done? Well, then let me remind you. Who is God? He is self-existent, self-sufficient, immortal, indestructible, and independent. He cannot die. He cannot disappear. He cannot self-destruct. He has always been and always will be. He has total freedom to act as he chooses and carries out his purpose without fail. He is one. He is undivided. He is infinite. He is non-finite, unlimited, unbounded. His holiness, love, wisdom, mercy, and glory are unlimited. He is eternal, everlasting. He has no beginning and no end. He has and forever will be. He does not age. He does not grow weary or tired. You realize that? God is the same age as he's always been. He's just as youthful as now. That's why I think he loves and delights in children. He sees all of human history at once. He is never surprised. He never reacts. He is just. He is impartial in his judgment. He is righteous. He is consistent. He is faithful. He does not and cannot change, but he is always on the move. He is transcendent, which means he's beyond the universe and every created entity, which means he is holy. He is sovereign. He is in complete control at all times. He has absolute lordship. He is still and forever will be seated upon his throne. He is secure. He is all-powerful. He has unlimited reservoir of power by which he is able to do anything he could ever want to do, even if he does not choose to do it. There is no limit to his power except the limit Limits he puts on himself, which means he cannot sin, nor be tempted to sin. He is all-powerful, and that is why he is able to save the worst of mankind. He is wise, thus he is able to choose the best possible end, and then choose the best possible means of achieving that end without fail. He is good. He is the standard of excellence. He is perfect in every way. He is morally good. He satisfies our deepest desires. He is benevolent towards his creation. He desires to bless all his creations. He is generous. He cares. He has no limit to his knowledge. He knows everything there is to know, and he is always conscious of all he knows. He is aware of the smallest molecule in his creation. He knows our thoughts. 
He knows our motives. He knows the deep depths of our hearts and souls. He brings order to chaos, clarity to foggy. He knows the future. He knows where our free will choices will lead and and is able to control it to work towards his goal. He is everywhere at all times. He cannot be contained. He is always present. He is always with us in our midst, working among us, by our side, giving his personal, intimate attention to every detail of his creation and of our lives. He is near. He is glorious. He is holy. He is not stoic. He knows what it means to be human. He knows what it means to suffer. He is loving. He is self-giving. He is jealous for our attention and our affection. He is wrathful. He will never accept evil or sin. He will deliver justice and it will be perfect. He is merciful. He is patient. He is gracious. I don't know how to describe him because he is indescribable. He's not as big and as good as you think. He's bigger and better than you can think. I don't know what God you believe, but the God I believe, the God that I read about in this book, is the God that is the source of complete satisfaction. He satisfies the deepest longings. He's uncontrollable. He has complete control at all times and cannot be contained or stopped. He, is in un, uh, he lives in unapproachable light, yet he invites us in through our relationship with him, through Jesus. He is worthy of all worship and praise, yet he stepped off his throne to serve. He is worthy of the greatest sacrifice because he knows it's an investment. This is the God that we sacrifice our own ambitions and life for. This is the God we worship. This is the God we serve. He knows who he is, and he's fine without you, but still calls you to live with him. Have you forgotten? Do you think he can't handle the issue you're facing? Have you forgotten what he's done? Well, then let me remind you. He has created everything we see and can't see out of nothing but mere speaking into existence. He flooded the whole world by preserving humanity and creation on an ark that he protected. He created all the language. He destroyed sinful cities. He has helped a shepherd shepherd boy conquer a giant. He has provided a ram as a sacrifice. He has made a donkey speak. Some say he still does through politicians. He has spoken through a burning bush that never burned up. He had Moses and Aaron's rod changed changed into a serpent. He had Moses' hand turned into lepers and healed it. He turned the Nile into a river of blood. He caused frogs, gnats, flies, locusts, and darkness to cover the land of Egypt completely. He caused all the Egyptian livestock to die. He caused all the Egyptians to be covered in boils. He caused hail to fall on Egypt, destroying its crops. He killed the firstborn of every Egyptian while sparing the Israelites who had blood on their doorposts. He freed his people from slavery of Egypt. He led his people with a pillar of fire and a cloud. He parted the Red Sea for his people to walk through on dry ground. And then he wiped out the Egyptian army when they tried to go through that Red Sea. He stopped a river upstream. He turned bitter water into clean water. He provided food for his people. He kept their clothes from wearing out as they wandered in the wilderness. He provided water from a rock. He protected his people from stronger forces. He destroyed stronger nations. He healed people bitten by fiery serpents. He caused the walls of Jericho to crumble. He caused the sun and moon to stand still. He helped Samson kill lions and Philistines. He sent fire from heaven that consumed an altar to mere rubble. He fed Elijah by ravens. He caused the widow 
widow's oil and food to the last. He raised a widow's son to raise from the dead. He caused drought for years and then brought rain after a simple prayer. He healed Naaman after he dipped in the Jordan uh, River seven times. He made harmless poison portage. He helped uh, fed hundreds with 20 loaves. He caused an axe head to float. He revealed the plans of Israel's enemies. He caused whole army to be blinded. He destroyed armies threatening Israel. He delivered three men from the fiery furnace, and when they came out, not a hair was singed, and they didn't even smell like smoke. He delivered Daniel from the lion's den, and he preserved Jonah in the belly of a fish for three days. And that's just some of the miracles of the Old Testament. Have you forgotten? Do you still think he isn't able to handle whatever you're facing? Well then, let's go to the New Testament. The virgin birth of Jesus. He took, on our, he took on our human flesh and limited his power for 33 years. He turned water into the best wine ever tasted. He healed mother, Peter's mother-in-law from her illness. Caused hundreds of fish to be caught. Healed lepers, paralytic, blind, deaf, mute, a man with a withered hand, someone with uh, palsy, dropsy, and cast out hundreds and thousands of demons. Raised a woman's, uh, widow's woman from the dead. Raised a little girl from the dead. Raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Calmed a tempest. Walked on water. Fed 15,000 with a boy's lunchable. Fed another 12,000 from another small snack another time. Had Peter catch a fish and it had money in it to pay their taxes. He made a fig tree wither after just spe- simply speaking to it. He healed an ear that was chopped off. And then we move into the book of Acts and look at the church. Many lame and sick were cured through the apostles. Death of Ananias and Sapphira within hours of each other. Delivered apostles from the prison with help of angels and another time with an earthquake. And they also too cast out demons. There are other miracles of Jesus even recorded, but... uh, not, uh, but not recorded, but witness. And the greatest miracle that I skipped over was because it's the best is that he died in your place. To bear the wrath of God for your sins so you can be forgiven. And then the greatest miracle of all is that he rose from the dead and is still alive today, sitting on his throne. And have you forgotten I ask you, are you so arrogant to think that he can't handle your problem so much that you are losing sleep and not able to eat? Do you worship the God who created everything out of nothing? Then if that's the case, stop worrying. My friend, words are cheap, action speaks. So if you say, don't just give lip service to God. If you say this is the God that you believe, then your life should show it. Are you still so prideful that you think he can't forgive you? Are you still trying to be perfect so you can be forgiven? Are you still so arrogant that you think you're better and no better than God? Then I ask you, if you think he can't forgive you, to accept the truth. Salvation is based on who he is and what he's done, not yourself. If you're trying to be perfect, give up and walk and step with the Spirit. And if you think you know better than God, Humble yourself before God does it for you. Never, ever forget. Have you forgotten that this world is not your home? Does your life, your priorities make sense based off of who God is and eternity? Listen, theology has consequences. 
What you believe should influence every area of your life. If it does not, then you need to stop and ask yourself, do you truly believe what you say you do? I expect the world to world. That's what they do. But I also expect those that say, I follow Jesus and I believe this book, I expect them to act differently. So, you are never, listen, you are never going to stand before God. When that time comes, I guarantee you, you are not going to stand before God and say, man, I wish I put more money in my 401k. You are never even, dare I say, you're not going to stand before him and say, I wish I had bought more guns. You are not going to have that regret. You are not going to regret following him to the ends of the earth, even if it means being away from your family. You are not going to regret going without so that others may know Jesus. If anything, our life is going to, when we stand before him, I think it's going to be, we're going to have more of the reaction of Oscar Schindler as we stand before our eternal, all-powerful king who's his source of unlimited resources. May we not meet our king with regret that we didn't trust him more. May we not meet him realizing we could have done so much more if we had simply remembered who he is. May we live so boldly that God has the opportunity to show up and show off in order to bring glory to himself. And I'd be remiss if I didn't, speaking of eternity, if I didn't ask you, have you forgotten that hell is a real place? What about your friends who don't know or follow Jesus? Don't tell me that you love them if you've never shared Jesus with them. And we like the whole saying of, you know, share the gospel and when necessary use words, but let me correct that. The gospel cannot be shown. It must be spoken. Love, grace, mercy, justice, and the like can be shown with works. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, however, must be spoken with words because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about our deeds, but rather Jesus' deeds. His sinless life, substitutionary death, burial, and bodily resurrection for the salvation of sinners. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, you may still have morality, spirituality, and charity, but what you don't have is Christianity. Real Christianity results in things, but cannot be replaced by them. You have to use your words. May your friends and family not go to hell thinking highly of you, because you are too cowardly to share Jesus with them. Get over yourself. God and eternity is on the line, so stop your foolishness. Have you forgotten? Are you, start, or are you starting to remember? And if so, never forget. There's really only one proper response when you come face to face with the creator of the universe, the one that keeps your heart beating and air in your lungs. Isaiah 6. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the 
heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. See, when you come face to face with the perfect, pure, holy, glorious God who holds the universe in the palm of His hands, confession and repentance is a natural and is right. And then when you realize that He has set you free from eternal damnation because instead of pouring out His eternal wrath on you, then no other pursuit or purpose in this world that this world offers will do. He becomes your all-consuming purpose and passion. And when you realize that you are apart from Him and who He is and what He has done for you, then when He asks, Whom shall I send? Whom should I send as a messenger to His people? Who will go for me? The cry of all of His people is a courageous and bold, Here am I! Send me! Me! 